0: As if the McCrispie couldn't get any better, bacon and ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy, available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Tough blog. Hey guys, welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. By the way, the first thing that everyone heard when we turned on the mics was you sighing and saying man. So I'm assuming you're thrilled to be here as we break down the Tar Heels 2020 schedule.
1: I'm always thrilled to be here. It's an honor to be back. You threatened to fire me after the last episode that we did, even though I was... There were some calls for it. I was superb. I was really saying man because that, that video of... Uh, of Gio at the end of the intro, always just kind of... So, so, we we were talking about it
0: right before it starts, because we, we have the mics off before we start Thank talking. Thank God. If we were in the stands, we probably would not have been in the stands. Ever again. But yeah, yeah. We, I, I mean...
1: If- I would have been we would have been kicked out for life maybe even arrested
0: i mean we also may or may not have fallen over the front yeah we could have been section
1: dead. 219 yeah. if we
0: were sitting in the front death is a possibility how excited we were uh for that now uh, maybe not because we were in attendance for the Bug Howard touchdown grab to complete the immaculate comeback against uh, Pittsburgh in a game where we thought we were dead. Uh, and we were also there this past year for Chad Surratt's interception, although we were sitting up higher. So if we would have fallen, we would have fallen into rows of seats ahead of us. So we, we might have been all right. Yeah. Um, we've seen some legendary moments, but we weren't in the tendons for that one. And we do believe that if we were, um, we probably wouldn't have seen all those other great moments. Right. But it's always great whenever we get to go back and watch those. We hope you Guys really enjoy those uh, videos that we have there in the intro for you. And Caroline is looking to create some more memories like that this year. Unfortunately, uh, it's looking like we're not going to be able to see the sort of fam reaction that we've seen in years past to some of those great moments, but uh, at the same time, the schedule for Carolina is setting up for them to have a lot of success here in 2020 in a year where it feels like the Tar Heels, with with the draw that they've gotten, uh, have a chance to, believe it or not, challenge for an ACC championship uh, for the first time since 2015.
1: You know, we a few weeks ago when we got the revised schedule, we, we got on here and talked about just the schedule in general. and you know, to really break it down in depth, and I told you I like the way this schedule is set up for Carolina. After I've done my prep and everything like that for this, I even love it even more. This this lends very well for this team and this environment, I think, to put themselves in a position to play in the ACC championship game for the first time since 2015, like you mentioned. Um, but there, you know, there's still going to be some challenging games that they got to find a way to win if they want to be in. Charlotte in December?
0: Well, look, I mean it starts on September 12th in Keenan Stadium. There will be no fans there that game along with the Charlotte game uh, as of right now, guaranteed that there will be no fans in attendance so uh, a little bit of a weird environment for Carolina going up against Syracuse, a team that you would think on paper they should beat. Mm-hmm. Uh, historically all-time meetings, Carolina has met them five times so far. Uh, they are 2-3-0 uh, and oh against them. Last meeting, of course, in 2018 that game up in the Carrier Dome where Syracuse won in overtime, 40-37. But this Carolina team is a lot different than that team that we saw in 2018 up there. And also this Syracuse team, a much different team than that team we saw up there a year ago. Still got some, uh, some good quarterback play, but everyone around the quarterback, not really as good as they used to be under Dino Babers they took a big step back next this uh last year yeah. now we got to wonder what they're going to do here in 2020 out of the gate against Carolina
1: yeah you talk about that step back last year they were 10 and 3 in 2018 people thought they could have been a sleeper to maybe make the playoff if some things went right last year mm-hmm. they went 5 and 7 mainly because they couldn't keep their quarterback upright their offensive line was one of the worst in the ACC and that brought in a lot of changes for Dino Babers and Syracuse because there's expectation up there for that team Team to, to win games and be competitive in this conference. Um, but you, you mentioned the quarterback play. Tommy DeVito does come back for them, and he can he can get the ball around to the the playmakers and he can make plays with his legs. He's a dynamic player when he's healthy. But that's been the thing the whole time. That under Dino Babers, their quarterback situation has never been stable because of injuries. But right. um, and I think thing when I was looking at them bringing in two coordinators this year, that's that's big. With this year, you, they didn't have a padded practice at all before they got into fall camp. Right, they were one of the very you didn't right. even get to get into pads. They had three practices and they got called quits. You're trying to install two new systems. How much behind are they going to be as a, other teams like us, Carolina? We're already we're already established. We know our system. We're kind of just trying to get. We're trying to grow what we already have. So, right. I think mean, that's going to play a difference. But um, it's an ACC team, so there's going to be a lot of talent on the field. That's September 12th in Keenan Stadium. But this is a game that if Carolina is the team we think they are, they should win. And I think you said they're, they're a 17 and a half point favorite right now. We'll see what that line well, moves that's to. Grown to 20 and Right. So So that tells you what the odd makers think about this game. Right. I I don't know if it's
0: going to be up near that That level of separation in this game, I think Carolina is is definitely the favorite going into this game. But I mean, for Syracuse, uh, I mean, you mentioned they got a lot of guys that they've got to replace. I mean, on the offensive side, you got to replace Tristan Jackson, your leading wide receiver from a year ago. Um, So you know, there's there are some pretty decent question marks in you know the backfield as well for them. Mm -hmm. I mean, this offense, you don't really know what you're going to see from Syracuse. I feel like under Dino Babers, you would always expect them to be able to put up some points, Um, but I think the thing for them is I don't know if their defense is really going to be able to slow down Carolina. For an, op- for an offensive line that is a bit of a question mark for Carolina, this is about as good of a draw as you can have because... When Syracuse was really good defensively, that was the one thing that they could they were always get up do. front, get yeah. up, get after the passer. Now it helps that you had you know legendary guys like Chandler Jones, who's now a star in the NFL for the Arizona Cardinals. But now, you know, they, you just you don't see those guys there, and you can tell they're not able to get pressure on the quarterback. Teams have been able to pick apart that defense over the last couple of years, uh, even when they were putting up big points. So I think this lends well to character. Carolina, um, I, again, you know, I don't think that this is going to be as big of a margin as maybe some people think. I think Carolina is still going to have some things that they're going to have to work out in this game. Um, But, you know, look, we'll we'll be, of course, talking more in depth about this game as we grow a little bit closer to it. Uh, After that, Carolina then goes on to meet uh, Charlotte, meet the 49ers in Keenan Stadium. It's the first time that they've ever played the Charlotte 49ers since they became a football team. And, uh, look, this is a team that has a lot of potential under head coach Will Healy. But they have to replace a lot from a year ago, including uh, one offensive star that nearly made the NFL and a guy on the defensive side of the ball on Alex Highsmith that was a stud and was drafted in the middle rounds of the NFL draft this past year. What do you expect from this matchup for Carolina? One that I think going in, most people would definitely look at as a win, but I think might be a little tougher than maybe some people expect.
1: This is the one game on the schedule that you would look at and say, no doubt Carolina is going to win the game but I think there will be I'm not going to say there will be problems I think Charlotte though, will come into Keenan Stadium and they'll be able to give Carolina I guess a game for at least two maybe three quarters Will Healy is known to be able to be a great motivator he's done a tremendous job in only one year at the helm in Charlotte you mentioned last year uh, they made the first bowl appearance in program history. With that, you know, you're going to lose some people's coaches. Your offensive coordinator uh, left to go to Florida State to join Mike, Mike Norvell's staff. You lose Benny LeMay, who was a 1,000-yard rusher for the NFL. Alex Highsmith has gone to the NFL. But they bring back their quarterback, Chris Reynolds, who can make plays with both his arm and his leg and his three top receivers. So they're going to have potential offensively to kind of keep pace with some teams that they're going to play, maybe even with Carolina for a quarter or two. It's the defensive side of the ball – they're losing their leading tackler that you're going to have to worry about. They got to find their starting quarterbacks. Um, they do bring back their their, sa- their safety Ben L- Leduca from from injury. Deluca, but, yeah, Deluca is yeah. coming back from injury. But this is still a game that really Carolina should be able to use to kind of see what you got from Syracuse and try to start fine tuning everything in that game. Because after that, your ACC games the rest of the way. Well,
0: you do have a bye week after that. So if there are some things that you still want to sort of Get ready to go for ACC play, the heart of ACC play. You can. Right. Then you go to your first road matchup of the season, October 3rd. You travel up to Boston College. Uh, Carolina, five all-time meetings with the Eagles, uh, which is kind of shocking to me that they've only met five times. Carolina with a 3-2-0 record in those games. And, of course, the last meeting way back in 2013, Carolina with a dominant 34-10 win over Boston College. That was a Boston College team that wasn't really all that great. This Boston College team looks like it might be somewhat similar to that Boston College team. There's just so much gone from a year ago. You lose two of your top offensive stars, running back A.J. Dillon, one of the better rushers in program history, along with quarterback Anthony Brown, who's now at now at Oregon. And then you bring in a head coach in Jeff Halfley, who, uh, you know, I, I – I'm going to be honest with you. I wasn't overly impressed by the hire for Boston college. I think, you know, letting Steve Adazio go might've been the right decision. Um, but I think the other thing to realize here for Boston college is they're always kind of a middle of the road team. Occasionally they'll jump up there, but it, this year looks like they're going to be on the lower end of the spectrum, and I think this game stacks up very well for Carolina's first trip on the road in 2020.
1: Yeah, the big thing about this game is that when we got the original schedule, this game was supposed to be in um, November. This mm-hmm. game is now in October, so weather shouldn't be as big as a problem as it would be um, in November. But you mentioned Steve Adazio getting fired, Jeff Hafley. You may not be a big fan of the hire. Everything coming out of there, out of Boston College, their AD loves it. Now, granted, he made the hire, then left for UCLA, but every <laughs> Everyone thinks that he's the right guy to get this program elevated. They've made they've made bowl games in four straight years, but they just haven't taken the next step to winning eight or nine games. I don't know how you replace A. J. Dillon. He was probably the best running back in the conference while he was here the last three years. Their backup, David Bailey, ran for eight hundred and forty four yards and seven touchdowns. So you're gonna have some some confidence that he can at least carry the load, but I don't see how this team year one is going to be able to move the ball enough to keep up with the likes of Carolina and other teams in this conference. And defensively, they just haven't been the same – Boston College Eagles defense that we kind of knew up what they were. that's how they won games because they could play such good, such good defense right um, that hasn't been the same in the last couple years but I just I love this game more because we don't got to worry about it being extremely cold and and snow and this is still a game that Carolina should be able to have their own way and find a way to win
0: yeah I mean as we talk you know you you mentioned the defense I mean this probably looks like the first time that Carolina is going to be tested by uh, a really good defense. I mean, the first two games of the year, you just feel like Carolina's offense should be able to have their way. Uh, This is the first test, I think, especially for that offensive line. I know Boston College isn't bringing back a ton up front from a year ago, but they're always a team that usually finds a couple of pass rushers, so I think this will be a chance for that young offensive line to get tested, which they're going to need, because then that next week, they head home, they take on Virginia Tech. Of course, all-time meetings between Carolina and Virginia Tech 41 meetings. Carolina hasn't fared so well. 11 wins, 24 losses, six. Uh, ties. You have the last meeting in 2019. Of course uh, last year you guys remember that wild six overtime game uh, in Lane Stadium. Carolina dropped it 43-41 to and one of the big things that we saw in that game and I think it's going to be another crucial part of this game is the matchup in the trenches. That defensive line for Virginia Tech absolutely destroyed Carolina's offensive line for most of that game. Carolina's got to be much better in this game. Keep quarterback Sam Howell upright because believe it or not even with everything that's left from Virginia Tech this offseason whether it was due to graduation or to transfer there's still enough talent on that team that this team could end up winning this game.
1: I think this is Carolina's biggest test on the schedule and I think if there's a game that they will need some sort of fan environment to give them a lift to, to, to win this is the game. Um, Virginia Tech you know the it's a big year for Justin Fuente, even though he's won 33 games in his first four years there. It's uneasy there. There was rumors of him leaving in the offseason to go to Baylor. He stayed. Uh, Bud Foster retired. His protege, Justin Hamilton's taken taking over. We talk about that defensive line that kicked Carolina's ass last year. they got three senior starters up front that's going to challenge the offensive line once again, but they've got talent everywhere. Hendon Hooker took over last year at quarterback with 6-2 and two in his starts after 30 points per game, really ignited the offense. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got a 1,000-yard rusher transferring in from Kansas and Khalil Herbert, Trey Turner, and Tavion Robinson make up uh, on the outside as good playmakers in the passing game. So they've got talent literally everywhere. They just haven't. It hasn't really meshed well with the coaching staff and in the scheme. It feels right. like this might be a year for them, and this is going to be a game that maybe decide who who. <laughs> Represents the second team in the ACC in Charlotte for the title game.
0: That's interesting. I don't know. I, there's another game, I think, later on the schedule that it could come down to as well. Uh, Hendon Hooker, like you mentioned, um, I think, you know, Carolina actually, believe it or not, their defense looked better against him last year than Quincy Patterson, who they just could not find any way to slow down. But um, yeah, one of the things that's so interesting about them this offseason, they brought in three transfer running backs. And remember, when that's how they retooled Tech that was position. good, yeah, yeah. they When they were really good, when they were competing for ACC championships, they liked to run the football. That's how their offense ran and their passing game came secondary. I think that's what you're going to start to see here – this year, I, you know, there's a reason, like you mentioned, Herbert's coming in. They just got Raheem Blackshear, who transferred in from Rutgers. He got cleared the other day. Marco Lee, also another transfer coming in. Um, and then, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball, you know, again, you talk about that secondary always in good shape. I mean, right. losing Caleb Farley hurts really bad. Um, but you do have Devon Diablo, uh, who leads that secondary. Um, and then, you know, at linebacker, still got Rashad or uh, Ashby, as well as. Dax Hollifield. Mm-hmm. so uh, still a ton of talent here. Uh, I think, you know, when you look at the hierarchy of the ACC, I think it's Clemson, It's uh, you go down to that next tier, Notre Dame is there, and then we have to decide, is Carolina and Virginia Tech in that same tier?
1: I think they're all kind of equal. I, th- I think they all make up that tier. I don't think, and we'll talk about Notre Dame here in a little I don't think Carolina or Notre Dame is marginally better than either us or Virginia Tech.
0: Even though in most of the preseason polls, Notre Dame is ranked in the top 10 even with most of the teams that mm. were that are not going to play. So in a lot of the voters minds they see Notre Dame as a team that's a step ahead of Carolina and that's Virginia. That's every Tech.
1: year though. Notre Dame might be the most preseason overhyped team every year in college football. Okay. Now you're just now you're just not thinking Because clearly. they're Notre Dame. That is
0: very clearly either Texas or Tennessee. USC
1: or Tennessee. Yes. I was um, going to say Tennessee. But I, but I mean There I, we go. I put their name in that category. I think they're all I think they're mm. all kind of the same. And the good thing is we're gonna we're gonna see it all play out this year. So
0: no concern about Virginia Tech's uh, everything they lost in the wide receiving court. That was the position where they got decimated. I mean Trey Turner is their only guy that's back. Um you gotta have targets for your quarterback. Well, and they bring it.
1: back Tavion Robinson. I, I think there'll be enough there okay. to right. where to where they they'll be able to to make it work. All right. I mean, I think it's a tough test,
0: but I have to disagree with you that it's the toughest test. You move to October 17th. They go back on the road. They go at Florida State. 19 overall meetings with the Florida State Seminoles. Carolina 3, 15, and 1. Yeah, Hasn't really been all that great whenever they've taken on the Seminoles. Of course, we remember in the 90s, that was the thorn in the side for the Tar Heels. Couldn't seem to get over that hump. But the last meeting that they had, Carolina won it. 37-35 to with the game-winning field goal that you guys saw in the intro from Nick Weiler Uh, in that 2016 season. Probably the last time that we felt heading into a season, the team had a chance to make an ACC championship game. Uh, This Florida State team is so much different than that Florida State team, though. Jimbo Fisher was still the head coach. They still had extremely high expectations. Now Mike Norvell is the head coach there after the disastrous Willie Taggart era that is going to be one of the laughingstocks of college football for years. We will always be able to look back and laugh at that, but you know, there's just something weird about this team where it's hard to really get overly down about their chances. I feel like this team is going to be better than some people expect. I still think Carolina should be the favorite heading in, especially if there's not really that big of an environment there at Florida State. That's one of the best things for them uh, when it comes to going in and playing a game uh, on the road against them. They always have a good environment that can help them win games. But man, this—I I mean, there's a lot on Florida State's plate right now, and it also doesn't help that so far, with what we've seen from Mike Norvell, it hasn't been a smooth start in terms of the relationship with the players and and everyone around the program either.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to start off. They they got rid of Willie Taggart deservedly so. He he sucked. He should have been fired. Um, but you bring oh. in Mike Norvell, who at Memphis we saw what he did there, and he was supposed to make everything instantly better. That hasn't happened. We just had a report two weeks ago with players coming out saying that him and the staff they were lying to the players about situations regarding COVID-19 that's not a good look you factor in they're on their fourth offensive coordinator in as many years huh. their defense yes. last year was ranked 90th overall totally 119th against the pass they've got talent but it a lot like maybe with Virginia Tech since Jimbo Fisher left it hasn't meshed well and since Jameis Winston left it never really came together
0: I don't get why they fired uh Ken didn't make any sense to me because that offense last year, I, at this point, I don't know how you judge their offense. because You
1: can't because they can't block nobody.
0: They, their offensive line is the, one of the worst offensive lines I've seen.
1: Gave up 48 sacks last year, I, fifth I mean, most in the country.
0: It's just unbelievable. Yeah. And it's not like they're not recruiting the talent. These are f- the high-end three-, four-, and five-star guys that are just getting destroyed. In ACC play against opponents that they should, this is not. Well, they're struggling against Clemson. They're struggling against uh, you know Louisville or Pittsburgh. No, they're struggling against Syracuse. They're Mm. they're getting beat in games like that. Boston College, Wake Forest, getting destroyed on the inside. I mean, that's that's the area that they've got to get figured out. Because I mean, you look at them last year. I don't think James Blackman is that bad of a quarterback. I don't think he's great, but I think he can win you games if he could stay upright. Mm -hmm. I also Think, you know, look, last year, um, on Terry or, uh, sh- excuse me, Tamari On Terry, I believe is how you pronounce the name. Uh, fantastic year, mm-hmm. over a thousand yards. Probably, I would say, this year, just off the top of my head, trying to think of the rest of the guys in this conference, he is easily a first team all ACC wide receiver. Um, And, I mean, you you look at, I mean, the running back position, now that's an area that's extremely thin. But they do bring in Jay Sean Corbin, who comes over from Texas A&M. There is talent on the offensive side, but when you are getting sacked every other play that you try to throw, it's really not going to do anything
1: for you. Yeah.
0: And then on the defensive side, I mean, I still feel like there's a lot of talent here. I mean, look, Marvin Wilson on the defensive line is fantastic. Carolina's going to have to find a way to slow him down. The good news is is that at defensive end, they're not quite as decorated. Uh, Jamarius Robinson is going to be trouble off the edge for Carolina. They're going to have to figure out a way uh, to be able to contain him. Um, And then, of course, in the secondary, a lot of talent there as well. But, you know, this Florida State team, it's weird. You feel like their defense, they have enough talent there. You feel feel like if all all they would have to do is block well up front, and this team could probably win seven games, but at the same time, everything that we've seen from them, this probably lends well to a game where Carolina can just pin their ears back and tee off on quarterback James Blackman, which would be great.
1: Yeah, I, I, I look at this game, and if Carolina's the team we think they are, which we just said that we think they're in the second tier, they're gonna they should win this game. Yeah. And it shouldn't be something they got to come back and dramatically find a way to win. No, they should probably go in there. I'm not going to say blow them out, but control the game for 60 minutes. Especially this being year one, where Mike Norvell has not had the time to get everything he wants to have installed and all that kind of stuff. This was like year two or three, maybe a different challenge there. But year one, you're bringing in new, you know, coordinators. The quarterback position, James Blackman is is should be the starter, but they're going to let the talented freshman behind him battle for the job. So you're not even stable at that at that position. This is game, Carolina win
0: well no Blackman did win the job did he? uh yesterday he did he did actually get named the starter there um but yeah I'm with you on that because I mean look Jordan Travis is talented mm. The fact that he's coming in and competing for that job, I mean, this is the third year in a row that Blackman's had to compete for that job. And remember last year, I mean, pretty much they, they went with him, but at the same time, they had as short of a leash as you could have on him, went to Hornybrook, that didn't work out at all, and then they had to go back to Blackman. I mean, there's just there's no trust in him, it feels like. I don't really get why, because we're both in agreement that we don't think he's that bad of a quarterback. We think there's enough there for him to have success, but... Who knows I, I think that's you know that's gonna be the thing is how quickly can Norvell uh, you know sort of gain some confidence from his players uh, after that you move back uh, into Keenan Stadium it'll be a home game against uh, your first rivalry matchup of the season against NC State of course all-time meetings between Carolina over 100 109 Carolina with the advantage 67 36 and six and the last meeting was the beatdown last year in Raleigh. Thank <laughs> you. 41-10, to Carolina. Of course, they were trailing at halftime, 10-6, to reeled off 35 straight to beat the Wolfpack. And now uh, they'll welcome in a Wolfpack team that, I mean, look, last year wasn't a good year for them. It doesn't look like this year is really going to be all that much different. I think they might be a little bit better defensively, uh, but they're still searching for a quarterback, and there are still a lot of question marks on that offense for where Dave Dorn is. he probably fights for his job this year.
1: Yeah, probably so so, deservedly so, if I was an NC State fan. I don't want him gone, and I'm going to try to stay classy. To I don't want part. him gone. Stay in there. You know, I'm going to try to stay as classy as I can when I talk about NC State. Uh, <laughs> Carolina should have their way with the Wolfpack again. This should yeah. be a game that they're trailing at halftime. They're bringing in five new coaches on that staff to try to revamp what's going on there. Their offensive last year was 107th in scoring. I don't see how it's going to improve when you no, you don't know who your quarterback's going to be. Yep. You can run the ball with Barn Knight. He's back, and you got four scores on the offensive line, but I don't don't see them being able to pass the ball very well. That was a big problem with them last year and so I think I think we're you're going to see the rivalry tilt back to where Carolina's the one doing more of the, the winning and NC State's trying to play catch-up, whereas under Larry Fedora we were playing catch-up to them. I think last year that, that win, that second half, I think just, you know, you, you could kind of feel it. Uh, even though we were at home watching the game, the tide just turned where Carolina has been probably better talent-wise and State just hasn't won those games. I think now the talent's still going to be in the favor of Carolina, and they'll find a way not only to beat them, but probably blow them out in the process.
0: I, I think it's it's a really bad spot on the schedule for NC State. I mean, you're right in that area where you would feel like Carolina is going to be getting into a rhythm.
1: Uh, it's the same time where Carolina last year really on the offensive side of the ball found themselves right. And so th- I think that that stacks up well for Carolina in this
0: one. Another one of those games where if you're going to compete for you know a spot in that ACC championship, you've got to win. You're a better team uh, than NC State. Um, I feel like it, y- you've got. You've hit the nail right on the head. I mean, look, now you've got Mac Brown here. This is what he does is beat rivals. Mm-hmm. He was so successful at doing that in his first tenure. I think it continues here uh, in 2020, at least in this first matchup. Uh, then you go October 31st on the road, the South's oldest rivalry between Carolina and Virginia. This one will be in Charlottesville this year. All time meetings. This will be the 126th meeting in the previous 125. Extremely close. Carolina with a 64-57 and 4 edge over Virginia and of course last year that 38 to 31 loss in Keenan Stadium that Virginia team deservedly as we thought could be possible Went to the ACC championship game to become the seventh different Coastal representative in seven years. But now that team is scheduled to take a step back. They lose Bryce Perkins. You lose a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball as well. But at the same time, it feels like they have finally found a coach there that can keep them competitive. And they've added a lot of transfer help here in the last couple of months. This Virginia team, while I still think they take a step back and Carolina should be the favorite in this game, I think this is going to be a tougher game than it looked a couple of months ago.
1: Yeah, Bronco Mendenhall's done a really good job establishing himself. When he left BYU for that job, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense to anyone in college football, uh, but it's now starting to make sense now. He's a good coach. He's he's built the program, built the culture. Last year was a big year for them. They ended the 15-year losing streak at Virginia Tech. You went to a New Year's Six Bowl where you lost to Florida. But like you said, they're scheduled to take a step back because you're losing Bryce Perkins. Your top two wide receivers are gone. Um, Now, they've got depth at the offensive line. The leading rusher comes back, and defensively 15 guys that started the game are back. But there's still some questions for that team to be in that second tier to maybe get back to the ACC championship game. I think it's gonna be a tough game, though. I don't think Carolina. Right. Carolina always struggles and goes here and wins. They never. It's never really easy for them. Whatever reason. Uh, it you is. you had a
0: couple times early in the Fedora era where they blew them out because they were. Virginia just, sucked.
1: They were just. They weren't they even were marginal. They sucked. Mike London sucked. Yeah. Well. Well.
0: Mike. Mike London would be good. Then he'd suck. Then he'd be good. Then he'd suck. That's how um, it works. Now, Mendenhall is much more consistent. This team is going to be a problem year in and year
1: out. Yeah, that's what I think. I think there'll be a team that'll give Carolina fits, but this is still a game, even though it's going to be on a Halloween, you can have all those kind of distractions. Carolina's better on paper. They're better on the coaching staff. They should win the game.
0: Well, this year, I'm assuming that wearing masks isn't going to be kind of cool. Kind of as cool on uh, Halloween as it is uh, in previous (laughs) years. Considering we got to wear them all the time. So uh, after that, I mean, you go to another game. You talk about a game where. It's a team that always seems to give Carolina fits. Since David Cutcliffe came back, we just cannot figure out why. But Carolina, no matter how much better they are on paper, they cannot find a way... To blow out Duke outside of that 2015 matchup, every game has been close. Duke has won some games. Again, this is not Duke of old, where you know losing games. I'm still on that. If you when when we used to lose to them in the past, that team was awful. Yeah. Now this team is at least you know they've been to an ACC championship game. David Cutcliffe is a good head coach, um, but again, Carolina should come in a heavy favorite in this one. This will be the 106 meeting between the Toriels and the Blue Devils. Carolina with a 60 41 4 record against Duke all time. Last meeting, of course, last year was in Keenan Stadium. The Carolina, the 20 17 win with the interception on the goal line by Chad Surratt to seal what was looking like it was going to be a loss for Carolina, but ended up being a win that. Kind of changed the season for Carolina, made them uh, probably a little bit tougher as they came down the stretch. That cannot happen again this year against the Duke team that, uh, look, you know, again, we expect that they're going to be able to hang tough with Carolina at times, but at the same time, they still should be nowhere near on the level of this car heel team in 2020
1: yeah no you're right that that game last year was weird for a lot of different uh, ways if carolina loses that game you probably don't see them making a bowl game in duke last year if they would have beat carolina they would have went to the to the postseason um but nonetheless david cutcliffe taking over play calling in 2020 to try to get some life back in that offense that has really struggled since anthony boone left which is saying something because they their offense when he was running was very conservative but it was efficient. You bring in Clemson, transferred Chase Bryce takeover take over at the quarterback position. you got Jalen Calhoun at wide receiver and Noah Gray tied in that you can get the ball to. Four offensive linemen come back, so you're going to feel stable on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, you had 35 sacks. I sure the most that Duke's had in 10 years. Your top two guys at sacks come back. You've lost your top two linebackers, and your best guy in the secondary Departs. So there's a lot of questions around Duke that you should think Carolina should go there, make the eight mile ride, and get an easy win.
0: Yeah, I mean, I again, I just don't I don't think that's how it's going to be. I think Carolina is going to have to battle in this one because that's always how it seems to be. The other thing by this point is you got to think Carolina will I'm not going to be saying running out of gas, but this is part, you know, towards the end of that long stretch before they get another bye week. So, this is around the time this past year where we started seeing guys get beat up. And I told you this last night. And I think this is an interesting point that needs to be brought up and this is a good spot to talk about it. We've you know, we been watching Major League Baseball a little more in depth this year. We've been following the New York Mets a little more in depth because that's our team. We've seen as the season has gone along, you've started to see the injuries pile up more and more because these guys weren't able to be with the team throughout the offseason going through the workouts that they're supposed to. We're not saying that Carolina's guys haven't been working out. I believe that most of them probably have because they believe that this team is going to be good. They want to do everything they can to make this team into an ACC championship contender like we think they can be. But you feel like this could be a point where injuries start to set in. We've heard Mac Brown talk about it, how developing depth is so key. I think this is the part of the schedule where we're going to have to see some of this depth on display. You just wonder how much of it you have to see.
1: Yeah, that's why I brought up every time, since we as we've been moving into preseason mode, Carolina, the fact that they're able to develop so much depth in certain spots is necessary because injuries are going to happen probably more frequently than it already happens yep. because their bodies are not going to be as ready for the grind as they normally are. That's just that's how it's going to be. They've
0: only had full contact twice now. Yeah, and those were scrimmages against mm-hmm. each other. That's it. So, so
1: it's, you know the, it's going to be different. The, the teams that don't have depth are going to be the teams that at this time of the year they they're not going to have a chance. The teams that have depth are going to be the teams that are still playing meaningful football, and that's what we we hope that we're going to be doing. And maybe you know last year they didn't have the depth, and maybe if they would have been deeper, they wouldn't have lost to Virginia, and they wouldn't have lost to Pittsburgh. I that's believe why, so. That's why or stress, at least
0: one of those games. Right. I think maybe you dropped that game to Virginia because Virginia was a, a very formidable opponent, I think you would have beaten Pittsburgh. That You could tell in that game, especially on the outside with all the corners that they had lost, that they were just beat up. I mean, DeAndre Hollins was getting picked on a little bit, fought back at times, but... At the same time, you could tell that they were just picking on Carolina's outside corners. This year, I think my biggest concern is that happening with the offensive line, is you see guys go down. Because there there is not these guys that we've had in years past that you can just rotate in. Like, remember, last year, you know, it got to a point where, you know, after he went down with an injury, Brian Anderson comes in. You had Nick Polino as one of your depth guys. hmm now you don't have those veteran guys that you can bring in as backups. Mac Brown's hoping to build that depth, but that's going to take some time. So after that game against Duke, Carolina goes back home. Uh, they will play Wake Forest on November 14th. All-time meetings with the Deacons, 107 Carolina with a uh, 69-36-2 and record. Last meeting, of, co- of course, was last year in a game that, uh, man, just felt like we were so close again, even after getting down huge early on. on the Sam road. Howell
1: got benched in that game.
0: Got benched. Uh, probably the best thing that ever happened to him. Woke him up. We yeah. knew that was going to probably happen at some point, but yeah, we saw Jace Reuter come in. Uh, that second half, different Sam Howell, yeah. came out, fired up. Uh, Carolina still lost 24-18, to but the good news for Carolina, bad news for Wake Forest, uh, two of the big guys from a year ago are not going to be out there this year. You lose starting quarterback... Uh, Jalen Newman, who goes over to uh, Georgia. You get uh, Ch- you, you brought back Sage Surratt, but then he ends up opting out. Also another big guy, Scotty Washington, who played wide receiver for him a year ago. So their top two wide receivers and their quarterback are gone. Now, I like Sam Hartman. Remember, he was the guy before Jamie Newman was there. He's still a, a pretty talented guy. But I think they've lost so much on the offensive side that I just don't know if this is the same Wake Forest team this year. Now, I'm not with some of the some of the people who now have them as a bottom feeder in the ACC. There's some people I think they could finish last in the ACC. Uh-huh. I don't think they'll be that bad. But I still think Carolina will now be a heavy favorite going into this
1: game. Yeah, I mean, I'd like Sam Hartman, too, if I had, say, Turette to throw the ball, too, if Cade Cardney was in my back front, and if I had an experienced offensive line. He has none of that.
0: Now, Donovan Green's not bad at wide receiver. So, He'll progress, but, but yes. he's not, say,
1: Turette, and No, he, of you course know, not. So of that of course not. I think that's the thing. They they've lost so much, and in, in a year like this, that they couldn't afford to lose all that and trying to find a way to replace it. Um, and then on the defensively, they lost their starting quarterbacks. You were, you returned Carlos Basham Jr. was second in the conference in sacks and tackles that, for loss. That's the one
0: guy that concerns me here. You know, in this but game, Carolina but.
1: should be able to negate that. Yeah, this right. is a game that when we first got the uh, well, they weren't even on the schedule originally. Um, but you know, when you see this, it's a game Carolina should win. Especially- well, yeah. Yeah, I think if
0: when when I saw this game on the schedule with Surratt still in their lineup, I thought, okay, this could be a little more concerning. Now, this year will be different. I think if Patrice Rene is playing against Sage Surratt last year in that game. That's a different, I, it's a different I, game. I don't think he goes as nuts. I still think he probably gets his catches catches a touchdown, he's still really good. He's yeah. going to be a first-round pick. Uh, that's one of those ones that when you look back on how Larry Fedora and his staff missed him, you just start sitting there left scratching your head because imagine him in this offense that Carolina already has right now.
1: It's not hard to imagine when your head coach didn't value <laughs> state recruiting. But... Uh, uh,
0: not only state recruiting, brother Yeah, recruiting. brother recruiting at but, that, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just – yeah, this team is is totally different. Basham, like I said, could be concerning, but my thing in that game is is you would hope by that time more than likely he's going to be matched up with the Sim Richards. You hope a Sim has progressed to that point and has become the guy that you're expecting
1: him yeah. to become.
0: So then Carolina gets that off week. As we talked about, that could be huge if Carolina has any injuries because they have to heal up for – in my opinion, the biggest game of the year. The one that's going to, in my estimation, determine who goes to the ACC championship game. It's going to be Carolina welcoming in Notre Dame. All-time meetings. Well, you probably don't want me to read off this stat. 19 all-time meetings. Carolina has won one. Yeah, <laughs> The 18 others have gone to Notre Dame. The last meeting, Carolina, a 33-10 to loss back in 2017. But that was another team. You want to talk about a team just beat up. Due to injuries, uh, that was exactly what that team was. There was just pretty much nothing left at that point. You know, I, I feel like by this point in the season, most of your question marks should be gone. You're going to have, you're going to either have your offensive line figured out or not. Which, if you don't, you're going to have adjusted to it by then. You're going to have question marks on the defensive line figured out for Notre Dame. You know they've they've lost you know a decent amount at wide receiver that they've got to replace. There's some defensive guys that they've got to find a way to replace, but they're normally pretty good at doing that. By this point, these two teams should be in. What we what we would expect, the form we expect them to be in, and I think you know, man, this this game is just going to be. If if you're just a general college football fan, I think this is probably the second best game in the ACC all year, outside of Clemson and Notre Dame meeting.
1: Yeah, this is this is going to be a big game. I, I lean more Virginia Tech would probably determine how Carolina's season goes they, if they compete for a championship game, and you said Notre Dame, and rightfully so. They've won 30, 33 games in the last three years. Ian Book's a seasoned veteran quarterback. He's coming back, but he's lost his top three wide receivers, um, so he's got to find new skill guys to get the football to. Their offensive line, though, return so they'll be stable up front. But Notre Dame is Notre Dame. Brian Kelly, the fact that he is entering years now on the hot seat hasn't made a whole lot of sense because all he does is win ten every 11, year. He's on t- the hot you know win ten games every year, playing usually the toughest schedule in the country. Yeah. So the, <laughs> you know they still they still go and play as tough as punches as they can. Now this year, of course, they're playing an ACC schedule, and so I don't know. This is a game that. I think I, I would love to say we could have fans there because could, could you imagine that kind of environment? I think if, we kind of need fans right, there in this one. If, if what we think could be on the line is on the line, and you put it in Keenan Stadium, that would probably be a night game for T V ratings, what the environment could look like. Even if you have a half capacity crowd, that right. could still right. be one of the best scenes we've ever seen in Carolina football history. Oh,
0: for sure. And I think, you know, that's definitely a possibility. I mean yeah. we've seen there are teams around not only the country, but in the ACC that have allowed some fans, and I think we could eventually get to that point. Yeah. Um but yeah, I think you know that you're you're looking at I mean Sam Howell going up against the 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 veteran in That Ian could Book. be his Heisman game. I mean, that's going to be one of those telling moments. If he's in the Heisman race, that will probably be the game that they will look at and focus on and go off of Mm. for most of the major voters. Uh, You know, again, we don't know if he's going to be in the Heisman race at that point. I mean, look at all the talent that is around him. We do think Carolina is going to run the ball a lot as well. Um, But, yeah, I think this is going to be one of those games where you're going to find out just where Carolina is in terms of this rebuild? Are they actually in the spot that we are wanting them to be in this preseason and that some of the national media people and the local media people like us are thinking that they're at already, which is ready to compete for an
1: ACC championship? And even if they're not, I still think they if if they are, I think they're a year ahead of schedule. I thought when Matt right. Brown got hired, it would take to year three. I don't think we'd be here in year two. Now, I'm, oh for sure, I'm glad we're here, and hopefully it bodes well, and we're not we're not proven wrong. But even if not, even if this team goes seven and three, even six and four, I still think they're a year ahead of schedule.
0: Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, six and f- yeah, six and I four don't. would
1: be disappointing, but or right. six and five because they're playing eleven games. But you know, you would, yeah, yeah. Um. Mm yeah i think I
0: think like seven and four would probably be that range that you're looking at um to be considered a successful year, which I guess we can talk about that here in a minute, but um I think you know when I say this, if they lose this game, it's not a bad thing, but if they win this game, then this tells you they are where we think that they are at they are in that they are you know as close to Clemson as anybody in the conference. It would probably be them, depending on what happens with Notre Dame, which again. I think barring anything, you know, COVID hanging around for, you know, into next season, um, something funky like that happening, I assume that Notre Dame's going to go back to being an independent because,
1: again, yes. they, have their
0: own, they have their own TV contracts. That makes sense. It's, they it's should never be... be in
1: a conference. We don't want to get on that discussion. Ah, they should be an independent. That's I, one of the things I, that I, makes college football what it is. I think we should see them in the ACC. But, um, I, but I mean, that's, you know,
0: I, I think it's – Carolina will, will learn in that game just where they're at. Yeah. That's a measuring stick game. I think Virginia Tech is also potentially a measuring stick game, but I feel like that game against Notre Dame, especially with all the expectations that you could come into that game with, will kind of show you where you're at. I, I mean... I don't know. It's weird. That game, you you almost wonder if that game serves better if Carolina has a loss somewhere along the way because if they come in with all that pressure of being undefeated, they'd probably fold. I, I don't know if they'd fold. but they've would,
1: never been there.
0: They would put themselves under just tremendous pressure. So we'll have to just wait and see. Finally, you finish up the regular season. You go down. Hey, not a bad way to spend a December afternoon. You get to go down to Miami and play the Miami Hurricanes. That's how you close your season. Uh, la- you know, All-time meetings against Miami. Well, it's shockingly kind of close. This was a team when we... Saw them come into the conference, we thought, man, this they're going to be a powerhouse. Carolina's going to stand no chance against them. They've met 21 times. Carolina's won 10, and Miami has won 11. Yeah. Last meeting, of course, last year, uh, the first game back in Keenan Stadium for Mac Brown, a 28 25 win, capped off by that huge game winning touchdown throw from Sam Howell to Daz Newsom. This year's Miami Hurricanes team. Uh, we kind of expect somewhat similar to last year. Now, they don't have Gregory Rousseau. That's a humongous loss. One of the best defensive ends in the entire country, not playing this year, opting out. But... They might finally have their solution at quarterback in De'Ara King, who comes over from Houston. Uh, but again, we've seen this story before with Miami where they feel like they've got their guy and things just kind of go south. They've got a lot of other guys that they have to replace as well. Um, but I think the main thing here, and one uh, a factor that will play in heavy to this game, you almost feel like, believe it or not, Manny Diaz could be fighting for his job when they play this game on December 5th.
1: Yeah, he's entering year two, and this feels a lot like last year. When he this did. Does this not feel somewhat like the Taggart situation at Florida State? I don't think it's that bad. But he took over last year, and he tried to get a quick fix at offensive coordinator with Dan Enos and the quarterback with Tate Martell. That didn't work. He's doing the same thing again in year two. You get De'Eric King, who we've seen has proven to be a better player than we've seen from Tate Martell. You bring in Rhett Lashley as the offensive coordinator. That's the guy that he was at Auburn. I I I had a man crush. I like that
0: fit between King and Lashley, too. I
1: think that works pretty Um, well. A lot like Florida State, they've got talent. Cameron Harris and Brevin Jordan will return, but their offensive line last year was the worst in college football as a power five and they gave it fifty one sacks. <laughs> Worse than Florida State. That's yeah,
0: unbelievable.
1: Um, you know, you you mentioned the uh Russo sitting out. They brought in uh, Temple transfer Quincy Roche, who Carolina saw in the bowl game. So, right, right. Um, but that he, helps. Yeah, but yeah, that helps. Who would have liked to have. Those and then, two together. then they're losing 99 yeah. stars from the court and the linebackers spot because all those young linebackers they finally moved on and graduated. They're not there anymore. Right. So there's a lot of question marks. I think Miami would probably give him maybe one more year, but. It's going to be a big game regardless because Carolina may need that win to solidify their standing in the ACC championship game.
0: That'll also be, I think, a weird spot for Miami. Now, I think Miami will be in – I mean, they're always in the preseason hunt for the ACC. They always want to put them in there.
1: They were picked to win it last year.
0: I don't think that they're going to be in the hunt – by this point they'll be in a weird position though because i feel like they'll have a chance to upset carolina potentially find a way to knock them out of the ACC yeah. championship game that's where i'm i'm a little concerned about this game but at the same time y- you still feel like carolina is the better team here no doubt um i you know i still feel like you know, this game, that th- believe it or not, going to Miami has not been as big of a challenge for Carolina as we thought it would
1: be. Take away that Thursday night game two years ago, and they fared pretty well down there in South Florida.
0: And again, that team in 2018 was nowhere near competitive. We knew that team was going to go down there and get smashed. But, I mean, remember back in 2016, we faced a tough test against them down there, found a way to win a game, a game where, believe it or not, in the Larry Fedora era, we actually played defense to win the game. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I think, uh, you know, overall, we talked about it. The schedule stacks up well for Carolina. Um, I think, you know, the biggest road bumps we can agree, Notre Dame and Virginia Tech, um, I I think, you know, when I look at the schedule, I'm I'm in that – nine and two range i think that's probably where I'll, i i land i would say eight and three to, to ten and one anywhere in that range
1: i don't think this team's gonna go undefeated no i don't either this I is a ten and one football team at best right
0: i have seen that you know bleacher report has listed them as one of the outside chances to go undefeated i i don't i They're don't not see ready that. for that yet i think also if they go undefeated they would get Hammered in that ACC championship game against Clemson because they would put just so very similar to what we saw in back in 2015. They put so much into winning those 11 straight games that by the time they got to that Clemson game, everything was just spent. There was just nothing left in the tank for them. Um, I, 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 you know, I don't know if that's going to happen again this year. I hope not. Um, But I think you know I would if I had to say right now. I would think that Carolina will go 9-2. and People will probably be angry at me. I think the losses, I think they'll lose at Virginia, and I think they will lose at home against Notre Dame. I don't know if they're quite there yet to beat Notre Dame, especially if Notre Dame is as good as some, as, as some people think they can be. That's my official prediction for this year. I'm hoping I'm wrong, though.
1: Yeah, I've got them going 10-1, and and I okay. think the game they'll lose is the home game to Virginia Tech. That's where I see this team slipping up. Um, I, I, I think they can play with Notre Dame. I, th- I think they'll beat Notre Dame because I think if they enter that game and there's so much on the line, but they already have a loss, they'll be more prepared for it. If, they're, if, they're, if they enter that game undefeated, I don't think they'll win.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, um, I got that feeling as well.
1: But I, I think they'll slip up against Virginia Tech. It'll give Mac Brown a chance to regroup the team, get their attention again, and then they can make that final push. And, can, and at 10-1, they're going to play in the ACC Championship game against Clemson. So that's, mm-hmm. you know, but now, like, if this team goes eight and three, I'm not going to be over here disappointed in the season because they're very well could be an eight and three football team. Right. I don't see them losing, though, outside of Virginia Tech and Notre Dame.
0: I think eight and three. It depends on who you lose to, though. If you find ways to win Virginia Tech, Notre Dame, but you lose to like NC State or Duke, okay. Then, a, you're then that's a like, disappointment. Then you're sitting there saying to yourself, okay, this is a little bit of a different eight and three. If this is eight and three with losses to, you know, let's say
1: that form of eight and three got us tired of Larry Fedora, right? Because we want to beat State and Duke.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, okay, and I don't think that's going to happen. Right. I'm just saying there are different ways to look at it. Um, of course, we want you guys, give us your uh, schedule predictions, your record predictions uh, for this season. Uh, we uh, are going to preview Syracuse in our next video edition of the podcast, so uh, we could potentially read some of those out on the air, um, give you your reactions to our predictions. I'm assuming that, believe it or not, I will be destroyed on social media for having this team go 9-2, and two, which
1: uh, is unbelievable. The- <laughs> Well, losing losing to Virginia is probably get you more heat than than being nine and two.
0: I just look, man. I, I think there's a game that they're going to slip up. I don't see anywhere else. I mean that they're going to slip. I think Virginia is just one of those teams that Carolina always has a tough time with, and it's a road game. So, you know, I that's really my reasoning behind it. I mean, I'm I don't know any. The only other game that I would say on the road. I would be concerned about, and it's one of the reasons we love this—we we love this schedule so much. is probably Florida State, but again, not the same environment. Cornrow, Mike Norvell is probably not going to have his guys yeah. playing as hard as they will in future years. Um, so I, you know, I'll just—I'll pick that game against Virginia. But you know what? Again, I. I'm I am praying that I'm wrong. Let me be wrong on this. Let them find a way to have a lot of success. Hey, look at the look on the bright side. This is a heck of a lot better than last year when our predictions were 6 and 6 and 7-5, yeah. Caroline. Wait, no. I think I had them at 5 and 7. I don't even think I had them in a bowl game. Yeah. I had them in a the bowl game. I think somebody may have said five and seven. not well, I me? Mean,
1: because I had them in a six bowl and game. Six.
0: Maybe I had them six and six, too. I don't remember. I'd have to go back and listen to that edition of the podcast. But, uh, yeah, much, much more expectation this year uh, for this North Carolina Tar Heels team. Of course, you guys can go onto the website, heeltoughblog.com. We got the schedule up there for you. We're going to update those game times as we go throughout the season as well. So make sure you guys are keeping an eye on that. The season for Carolina will kick off September. September 12th, noon kickoff. That is on ACC Network, correct, against Syracuse. Um, that'll be a great way to start the season for Carolina. Uh, it's w- going to be weird, a noon game. We haven't played one of those in a while, but we uh, we feel pretty confident that this team can come out of the gate fast, uh, and we hope to see that on September 12th. Up until then, of course, as we mentioned, we're going to lead you guys up to that game. Any news and notes, those will be on the website, heeltuffblog.com. We've got some great stuff already up there getting you prepped for this upcoming game uh, against Syracuse uh, as well as uh, just the team in general. Any team news that you guys are looking at, uh, there's plenty of great articles on the website. You guys can go and check that out. Now if you want to go back, watch our previous editions or listen to our previous editions of the podcast, you guys can go back and check those out. We've got the offensive preview. That's it by itself. We preview the whole offense. Then we've got defense and special teams together. Uh, That's a whole other separate edition of the podcast. All of those you can uh, get prepared for this season. And, of course, if you want to go back, learn even more about those, get, head back to the website and search uh, the position previews. You can find all of those there. That will give you all the information that you need for this upcoming season and this 2020 Tar Heels roster. So that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. We want to thank those who have been watching for watching. Encourage those who have been listening. Make sure you like uh, or rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Spreaker, anywhere. Make sure that you give us a rating, give us a review, and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. want to thank you guys for listening, and as always, go Tar Heels!